They asked us to speak, and I thought Gabe would do more of the speaking because he normally does. Um, but he's really, the Lord actually gave me a message for this morning, and I'm really excited to share what he's saying this morning. Um, but it's also like a little, like, okay, this is out of my comfort zone. But here we go, everybody. So this morning, I just felt like God wanted me to focus on faith and that it's really risky business. And I feel like he wants to um, just speak to us through his words. So we're going to start in the book of Ephesians um, chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And it says, For God chose us in Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ in accordance with his good pleasure and will. God has chosen us before the earth was created, before sin was around. And what I think is so crazy is that he invites us to choose him in return. I was thinking a lot about faith, and I was thinking about how do you, faith is such an odd concept, and this whole idea of before the world begins. So I want you to picture in your head, I don't have a picture for it, so you're going to have to use your imaginations. I hope that's okay. They always say use it or lose it, right? So let's use it today, this morning. I want you to make a picture of the world in your mind in the center of, of a line, Okay, the world right here, it, it's a ball and it has a start and it has an end. But on either side of that ball, I want you to think before the earth and I want you to think after the earth. And that is eternity. Earth is just one spot on eternity. And if you want to even picture yourself on the earth, you put yourself on there wherever you want. You could pick the Bahamas if you want. That's okay. I won't judge. Um, put yourself in your favorite spot on the earth. And, and even within the earth, you're just a short part of that. Okay, so we have eternity, we have earth begins, we have our life somewhere in that earth, the end of our life, the end of earth, and eternity keeps on going. So I just wanted to point that out because it says before the earth was created and before sin was around, God chose us. And he is wanting us to choose him back. And his invitation is in Jesus. It says in Christ Jesus. And it's just like what Micah was sharing last week. He talked about the good news. This is the good news. But it's not just that God provided freedom from sin and that he gave us peace in Jesus, but that this has always been the plan. It's an eternal plan. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't something that um, that was like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. That's a great idea. This has always been the plan. And it really is for all of us. Now, Some people would say that God is just this like all-knowing, all-powerful, all-over-the-place God, and that we should fear him, that we should come to him just for the fact that he is powerful and he is mighty, and he demands, because of just his power and his might, that we would fear and bow before him. I mean, is this what God is really all about? Is he just wanting to punish us? Is he just wanting to to make something happen? Um, But if we look at even what the Bible is saying here in this scripture— it does not say, it does not say that God forced. It does not say that he bullied. It doesn't say he enslaved. It doesn't say he punished. It does say that God loved us into his eternal plan. And it, again, it's in Jesus. And he obviously cares. He cares about when we don't choose him. Because if you, if you, I don't know if you've read the Bible. I don't know how much of the Bible you've read. I would encourage you to. It's an, it's an amazing read wherever you're at in life. Um, I mean, if it isn't true, it's still good. But if it is true, well, hey, 
there's something to that, right? I just encourage you to check it out. Um, I believe it's true, but you know, check it out for yourself. But if you read the word, he gives all kinds of warnings and he gives all kinds of, um, consequences for the kinds of choices we make in our life. And it's kind of like a parent. Now I had a problem with this because God kept bringing up this idea of parenting with me and, and I, my family's not perfect. I don't know about anyone else out there. May, you know, if you've got these perfect families, good job. I'm happy for you. Um, I did not grow up in a perfect family. And, um, the idea of what a good parent is, um, with my earthly perspective is kind of not great. It's kind of painful and it's, it's hard for me to use that analogy with God. But as I was preparing for this message, I felt that he wanted me to refer to this analogy of him as the perfect parent. And, um, a perfect parent is going to warn his kids about danger. If you didn't care about your kids, you'd say, sure, eat that thing off that tree. Let's see what happens. It'd be a good experiment, you know? We'll see. Or, yeah, play in the road. Absolutely, you know? Run faster with scissors, you know? But God God cares about us, and he is not, he wants to warn us because he loves us. That's why. He's not trying to punish us or condemn us with his words and with his truth. He loves us, and he's warning us, and and that's why he talks about hell, and that's why he talks about consequences of sin, because if he didn't care, he wouldn't tell us. That's it. just like a good parent tells their kids about the dangers of the choices that they're making. Um, so he invites us in Jesus. Why does he risk giving us a choice at all? Why is he risking leaving it up to us? Remember, he's a powerful, almighty, awesome God. He could force it. He could, but he doesn't. He says, in love, before time, I chose you. And now I'm asking, will you choose me back? And that's my question today. He's inviting first for us to be in a relationship with him. And then it's a lifetime. It's a lifetime of growing in trust in him. And the question that I have this morning is, are you willing to take a risk on God? Are you willing to take a risk on God? So I want to read the definition of faith from Hebrews um, chapter 11, verse 1. It says that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So that's a good definition of faith. We can't see it, but we know that we can hope it. <laughs> and it's such a weird concept. Again, that's why I wanted to explain attorney eternity to you. Because if we just look at it from our life on this earth, it's a really hard, it's a hope that goes beyond that. It's a hope that goes beyond our lifetime. It's a hope that goes beyond the earth. It's forever. I know that's hard sometimes for our minds to grasp, but remember, just use your imagination. Just hang in there with me. And, um, but here's the crazy thing. It is impossible to live a friendship with God, to be in relationship with God without faith. And so I want to jump down to verse 6 in Hebrews 11. And it actually says it. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I love that that word reward is there. Remember, he's not punishing us. His eternal hope is that it involves rewards. We can't always see them. Okay, remember, we have to hope. <laughs> we can't always see it. But it says rewards. And I want you to remember that because, remember, he's a good parent. And he wants to reward his kids. He does. You're, this is his word. This is what he's telling us. Um, but you know what? Faith is risky business. 
God is inviting us, but we won't know until we show up. And usually even then, he's only going to show us one step at a time. His unfolding eternal plan and what that looks like. It requires absolute trust that the plans laid in front of us lead to something good and rewarding. That the first steps that we take are attached to an entire staircase. We might not be able to see it, though. It does not get more real than accepting God's invitation out of our own plans on this earth and in this life into his eternal plans that are for us from before the world began. This is amazing, you guys. This invitation is like, it it literally is blowing my mind. I've been thinking about this all week, and, and I just am getting more and more excited about it as I was preparing and, and leading up to this day. But there, I have a picture um, of my kids from um, not, well, they were young, four and two. And we found these steps out in the woods. And I just thought this was such a beautiful picture of what it's like to take the first step. We can't see the rest of the staircase, but God is inviting us. Come on. Come on. But it's risky because you can't see it, you know? But it's there. I promise it's there. That's what God's saying. I promise it's there. Okay. So today I just want to talk about faith. And I want to use um, my story, and I would like Gabe to share some of his story. Um, and I just want to confess that I'm a planner. Any other planners out there? Yay for planners. Okay. Um, faith is really risky business for us planners. Okay. I'm just going to say that right now. I, um, I grew up in church and, um, I knew all the right things to say and the right things to do. I had a lot of knowledge, a lot of Bible knowledge. Um, I was the good kid. Um, you know, and in a lot of ways, I feel like I was a little bit like Saul in the Bible. Sarah shared about Saul a few weeks ago. And I was like living a holy, righteous life for God, you know, doing all the right things, saying all the right things. Um, I was following all the religious rules. And I had a fear of falling short of God's holiness. And I judged myself, not just myself, but a lot of other people <laughs> by these religious rules. And, um, and it was funny because it's not that I was necessarily, it's not, I mean, I had a plan. I just don't think it was the best plan. And I feel like what God did in my life is he came right alongside me and he said, Sally, I see you got this nice religious plan going on in your life. And he was like, but I want to see your religious plan and I want to raise you to eternity. And if you'll come with me, I'll show you. But there's a catch. You're going to have to trust me. I like security. I don't know if it's just being a woman or a planner or I don't know why. I like knowing what's going on. I like feeling safe, okay? Um, rules kind of help me make, to make me feel safe. I think that's why I was prone to be more like that, to follow the religious rules and just to live a good life, you know? Um, but when God said, you're going to have to trust me, you guys, I wrestled with this. I, I mean, just even, I think it was four years ago, I was in tears, just like, God, I just need a safety net. I just need a safety net. And and I felt him leading me to look in the Bible for the word safety net. You know what? I couldn't find it. <laughs> but you know what I did find? That he is my refuge and that he is all that I need. And that if I trust him, he will be my safety net. So he is the safety net. But there is nothing else. There is no plan B. There is no other place to go except for him. And um, sometimes that can be really, really 
um, difficult when you can't see it. So Gabe and I are the kind of people that when God invites, we want to show up. Okay. We're just those people. And we are, even though I'm a planner, um, I was still willing. I wanted, I wanted to say yes to the invitation. Um, and so we came up with a plan and our, probably more me came up with a plan. Um, <laughs> he's more of an adventurer and he'll share about that in a minute. But anyway, we had a plan and it was to, we even had a mission statement to see people before they see Jesus. Okay. And we traveled the world and, and we raised money for lots of good things. And, and when we were in India, um, we were just wondering what was next. We had been walking up those stairs and we kind of hit a plateau and we couldn't really see. And, and so we both in India got together and we prayed and we said, God, we will serve you. We will go anywhere for you. Okay. And we're in our head. We're thinking something exotic, some, some wild adventure. And do you know, these were his words to us, go to America, get a house, plant a garden and have kids. And our response was, boo, <laughs> we already know about America. We want to do something new and exciting and fun and da 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 And anyway, but we did it. We, we came back to the Tri-Cities and we got a house and we planted a garden and we started having children. And, and when it was our second house here and our second child, I again started feeling this prompting within me that there was another step and the next step was going to be Mississippi. And anyway, I'm going to let Gabe take over from here and share a little bit about his perspective on faith, and then I'll come back up and after he's done. Okay, so Sally's a planner. I'm the adventurer. Are there any adventurers out there? No? None? One? Three, four, five? Oh, my gosh. This is sad. Um, oh, man. Yeah, so anyhow, I'm a, I'm a huge adventurer. I love it. Um 007 said one time that his family motto was, um, the world is not enough. And that really resonates with me. So, you know, I just, I want to go out there. I want to do it all. I want to see it all. I was looking at rock climbing gear at REI yesterday and I am terrified of heights. And part of me was saying, what are you doing? And, um, but so, so the adventure for me, um, came when, you know, God was leading us to Mississippi and, and we knew we were going. It was very clear. I did not want to go back there at all. I grew up there and never wanted to see that place again in my life. And, um, but it was, it was very clear and, uh, we knew it was a couple of years down the road that we would be leaving. So we were praying for about, um, about six months. God, where do you want us to go? And one day we got this postcard in the mail. And, and it said something about it, get a free dinner at the country gentleman. And so I also love food. And, um, and so I was checking this thing out. I was reading the fine print, you know, what is this all about? And, and I look on the back and it says Nettleton, Mississippi is the return address. And my, and, and I'm like, I get really excited. I think, well, maybe this is a sign, you know, so, I, so we I go in the house and we pull it up on Google and it's like a town of 2000 people. It's like, ah, this isn't it, you know, so. We just kind of toss it, and that evening, that same evening, we were sitting on our couch, and we were watching KNDU, uh, the news, and during the national news segment, um, they brought up Nettleton, Mississippi, and our mouths fell open, and we knew God was saying, you're moving to Nettleton, and um, and so we began this process of of moving to Nettleton, and... Um, 
the the hard part about that the the faith part the adventure part came down to we had no idea where we were going to live we had a year and a half to plan for this and we could not find a place to live um we i didn't have a job i had a wife and two kids with no job no place to live and we knew we were leaving on a specific date to drive across the country to Nettleton, Mississippi, where we knew no one. It was four hours north of where my family uh, lived and where I grew up, so I, I really knew no one or knew nothing about this part of the state. And um, and so we left on a Thursday. The Sunday before we left, we found out where we were going to stay. And I was determined to leave regardless but fortunately, God got opened a, a place up, and um, and Sally was is still mad at me because you know I, she being the planner, she thought she saw that all of our stuff was not going to fit in this one little U-Haul trailer behind our truck, and so the only furniture we were able to take was a little fold-up table and a twin mattress on top of all the other things. So fortunately, God provided a fully furnished house. So we uh, we drove into Nettleton on uh, Valentine's Day five years ago, and um, we were moving what <laughs> that we were able to bring into this house. And the neighbor comes over. They had heard about us moving there, and um, and it was her and her grandson, and they had brought us dinner. And so I'm telling the story about the postcard, and um, and the guy says, "Do you have that postcard?" I said, "Yeah." So I go and I get it and I show it to him, and and he said, he started laughing. He looked at it, he started laughing. He said, "I made that postcard." He said, "I printed it, I cut it, and laminated it, and mailed it from the post office here in Nettleton, and that was our next door neighbor." So I knew. God had taken us to that place and that house and that it was so specific. And, um, and it was such a, a miracle that uh, all that he had done to get us there. And, um, so, you know, five years in Mississippi, I'm, I'm the downfall of the adventurer is that, yeah, let's go do it. I'm on, I'm on, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it all. I want to experience it. And you get there and, and you're there and, and it's well now what, you know? And uh, that was that was the tough part for me. And uh, of uh, God, this isn't it so exciting anymore. I have to get a job now, and and uh, this was this is a really painful experience, and and a lot of painful things happened while we were there. But looking back, God moved in all of that. It was such a grace that He extended to me. Uh, to be in Mississippi for that time. So I'll let Sally finish up. All right. So um, it wasn't easy. Um, we had dark days. I think some of our darkest days were actually in Middleton, <laughs> probably in the first nine months that we lived there. And um, But I can confidently say that God um, has always been faithful, and he has never left me with what I needed for each step of the way. I might not have much more than what I needed today, but I always had what I needed. He never abandoned me. He never um, said, good luck. You know, I'm going to be way over here. As he invited us and we walked with him, he provided. And um, now in the middle of it, I had a friend say, now, Sally, 
you know, if someone offered you a quarter while you were in Nettleton to leave, you probably would have taken it. (laughs) I'm like, good thing nobody offered. (laughs) Cause the truth is I probably would have, because you know what? Um, I I had my own thoughts of what I needed, like a tornado shelter. We lived in tornado alley. And so we experienced terrible weather where we had to go underground for our own safety. Sounds like bomb air raids going off. I would impersonate it for you, but I will spare you. And, um, you know, when you have two small children, it's terrifying. You just don't know if you're going to come out of there and your town's going to be there or not. I mean, it's just a new level of trust. Again, like there's a catch. You have to trust me. Okay. You have to fully trust me, you know, and there were days when I didn't have milk in my fridge. I called my sister and I said, I have $5. Do I buy milk or do I, or do I hold on to my $5? And she said, go buy milk. God's going to take care of you. You know, I didn't like having an empty fridge though. I didn't know how we would pay our rent. You know, we saw God send checks at just the right moment at just the right time from really crazy places that we didn't, we didn't even think would happen. Um, but again, every step of the way he provided, And, you know, there was a very tangible loneliness that set in while we were there. And I would say that was the hardest. Um, But he didn't, he never left me. He never forgot about me or my kids or my husband. And now I have some of the um, most amazing um, people that I know because of that adventure and that um, saying yes to faith in him and his, him asking us. And I have a few pictures I want to show I want to share Nettleton with you because I feel like I just led you up the staircase and now you might want to know a little more. Um, cause we're on the other side and we can look back a little bit more now. So we told our kids we were moving to radiator Springs from lightning McQueen and, and Mater. I don't know if you guys know that movie. Um, cars, the cars movie from Disney. And, and we joked about it cause we didn't have, uh, stoplights. We had blinking yellow lights in our town. We have two of them in Nettleton. And we joked with them, we're moving to Radiator Springs. You guys will love it. It'll be just like that. And they're like, yay, they're two and four. And they just totally got it. Well, one day when we were driving down South to visit Gabe's family from North Mississippi, we saw Lightning McQueen and Mater on the side of the road. I'm not even kidding you. They were already there. God knew we really moved to Radiator Springs. So that was a fun day. And um, you can tell it's the Mississippi version. So that's exciting too. And we'll go to the next slide here. Um, this is Nettleton. This is Main Street Nettleton. I always tell people, well, what was it like? It was like living in a Hallmark movie in the Twilight Zone because Main Street went down and it divided two um, counties, actually. There were two counties in this little town of 2,000 people. So one side was Lee County and the other side was Monroe County. One was a wet county where you could have alcohol. The other side was a dry county where you couldn't. So it was very like, it was such a strange, it was a really unique community in my mind. And um, churches all over the place. We had a little town. We had more churches than we had people. And so that's the Baptist church on Main Street. And then water towers in Mississippi. You always know where you're at by the water tower. So whenever you see a new water tower, you see a new town. And then there's always something strange piled up around town. This day, it happened to be tires. And this changed periodically. But anyway, I love this picture because if you drove to Nettleton today, you would know where you were. So let's go to the next one. This is the other side of Main Street, the other county. Um, these are some shop fronts. Um, that one on the end, it's where we always bought our fireworks for New Year's and 4th of July and Christmas. And um, Anyway, it looks like a small town in Mississippi. They all kind of look like this. And, and when we got there, it kind of the whole town looked like this, just kind of empty. And a lot of the factories were shut down. And, and you know, we just started praying. We just drove through now and we would just pray, God, we know you're here. Um, what do you want to do? 
How can we join you in that? What are you inviting us into? So we would pray. We'd pray over the factories. We'd pray that they would be opened up. We prayed over the old buildings that they would, um, people would come in and open businesses and, and they would just come back to life. We just prayed life over this community. Um, so go ahead and go to the next one. So also when we first moved there, people weren't really hanging out with each other. They kind of went to their own little churches and they kind of stayed in their own little families and they didn't really interact. I mean, everyone knew everyone, but there wasn't this like sense of community where they were coming together and wanting more for their community. And so I just started having conversations with people and praying and, um, something really cool happened one Halloween. Some of those church people, people, the church people decided, yeah, we could hang, hang out together. And they bought candy and they did candy for the whole, um, community for free. And they had 5,000 people show up in Nettleton. These are those same businesses that you just saw (laughs) with the empty street. And there were 5,000 people that wound all the way down and around the corner that came through for Halloween because the churches decided to get together and do something in their community. So go and go to the next one. And then, um, right before we left, this was the week before we left Nettleton. Um, there's a lot of division in the South between black and white, um, between denominations of churches, between families that go generationally back like, oh, you're a Jones family. We don't talk to you because you whatever. And it's ridiculous, but it's it really is there and it really affects day-to-day life in the community. And anyway, again, we just encourage people and and the Lord and prayed. We had a lot of conversations and a lot of prayer. And the Lord answered those prayers in such cool ways. Um, the mayor of the town, right before we left, got together with the pastors and said, we believe that um, the church is a huge part of changing our community. Would you guys be willing to get together and start praying? And they did. And then they decided to do a church service at the football field in Nettleton. And it was every church was there except for maybe two. And... um but it was black and white. It was Methodist. It was Presbyterian. It was Pentecostal. It was Southern Baptist. They were all there and it was beautiful. And this woman on the end, her name is Ms. Zola. And I had the privilege of praying with her, um, every Tuesday and a bunch of other ladies just for Nettleton. And, um, and they came up to me and they, they found me and they said, Sally, you got everything you asked for. And I just was crying. And I just said, no, we all got what God wanted for us. Like, this is so God. This is so Jesus. And anyway, I just, I just wanted to show you it's still in progress, you know, but we left that place so different than when we found it. And it's all because of God's grace. Um, and I just want to end with a, um, a parable from the Bible. It's in Matthew and I'm just going to summarize it for you. It's where a vineyard owner who's a dad invites his two kids. He has two sons and he says, come work in my vineyard, come work in my fields. And the first son says, yeah, yeah, I'll come. And the second one's like, I don't think so. I nope. Doesn't sound fun. I don't want to do it. Well, the next day comes and it's time for them to come. And only one of them shows up. And it's the one that said he wasn't coming. See, he changed his mind and he showed up. And in that parable, the, the question is, which one do you think was commended? Which one do you think God wanted and and applauded and celebrated and it was the one that showed up even though he said he wasn't going to he showed up and i guess the last thing i want to leave you with today is he's invited you to show up and i feel like just keep showing up you might not feel like it you might not want to but i want to encourage you keep saying yes to his invitation to show up every day with him and for him to reveal his eternal plan to you today and what that looks like 
And there's this little phrase, you may have heard it. It says, fake it till you make it. Well, I want to change that. And I want to say, faith it till you make it. Okay. And I just want to um, end with one prayer for us. Um, and then I think Micah has a little announcement. So let's pray together. Lord, I just pray um, that you would help us to live a life that is worthy of your eternal invitation. May you give us the power to accomplish all the good things that our faith prompts us to do. Let the name of Jesus be honored because of the way that we live our lives, and may we be honored along with him. All of this is made possible only by your grace in Jesus, and we thank you. Amen.